I V M. The startup ecosystem as a whole has helped solve many a problem and challenge while driving immense innovation in every space. They've also been boosted by programs that have helped accelerate their process of innovation. One such accelerator that has enabled startups not just with advanced technology but also with broad-based mentorship and support has been the Google for Startups Accelerator. And today, we have its head, Paul Ravindranath on advertising is dead. To not just talk about the startup ecosystem and how Google is enabling innovation through this program, but also how they've had to evolve as an accelerator to connect with the needs of startups today. I'm Varun Dugarala. This advertising is dead. Be right back with Paul. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. Uh, we're talking to Paul. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Varun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I thought it'd be a good place to kind of start off by talking about the Google for Startups Accelerator and just kind of explaining how it works, how it's different from the traditional accelerator model. Uh, I thought it'd be a good place to kind of start to kind of set the landscape and then we can go into individual points. Sure, Varun. Um, so the Google for Startup Accelerator is actually born out of uh, an effort at Google that concerns developers and engagement with the tech and the developer communities. And this effort has been on for more than 10 years. It's purely an ecosystem building activity uh, because companies like Google exist because of the developer ecosystem building on top of uh, all of the great platforms. So we've been working with developer communities very closely for long. Uh, about five, six years ago, uh, we saw a need in the ecosystem where startups were up and coming, they're trying out various new technologies. Uh, as a company, we had expertise in this. We wanted to give back to the community. We want to give back to the ecosystem. Um, and there were immense opportunities in countries like India and across the world. Right. So that's how Accelerator actually began as a one-week mentoring model. Mm. We called it Launchpad Week. And it evolved mm. and snowballed into like a full-blown Accelerator, uh, which is today a three-month program, runs twice a year in India. Uh, but not only in India, we have actually 17 Accelerators all over the world. And that's how mm. it's grown uh, you know, starting from India, Israel, and then this kind of blossoming out all over the world. That's a little quick uh, background on, on the accelerator itself. Uh, I can talk a little bit about the model, right? How yeah, it is, yeah. um, say, different. Um, so our accelerator, the backbone of everything we do is based on mentoring. Right? So mm. uh, we have really world-class uh, mentors, not just Google employees or Google teams, right? So there are like more than 20, 30 Google teams involved here uh, in, in, in supporting the startups. But we also go out and collect really great mentors from the ecosystem, from the industry, from the investor community, from expertise across different areas. Uh, and we have them volunteering their time to give back to the ecosystem again. The attitude and intent here is a founder first, kind of creating a psychologically safe environment for a founder community to learn and grow from inputs, not just from Google and all of the stuff we have to offer, but also from our free and open mentor community. So three-month program. We, we kind of get a lot of startups, we, we get a lot of startups applying to the program. We have a process by which uh, we kind of make, bring that down to about 20 companies in a cohort. Uh, and then we have a three-month structured program where we offer mentorships across really important key things that we've identified to be the needs uh, over the years. They tend to be things like product strategy, UX and UI, engineering and tech stack choices, uh, founding team and founder focus people issues and how do we resolve that? That's another module in, in Google. So it's really a 360 degree program uh, and, a, and an ecosystem like India is kind of buzzing with so many different 
solutions coming up. And uh, as Google, we want to create something that directly adds value to founders and helps the ecosystem grow as we build and grow and nurture companies that are building and building amazing things. We also lean into like cutting edge startups that are using cutting edge tech like AI, machine learning. We have a very strong muscle in those areas as Google. And we're able to really lean into the opportunities that this new technology platform uh, and approaches offer to startups by helping them to kind of really understand on how to build using ML, AI for scale and sustainability. That kind of addresses the needs of emerging ecosystems like India, uh, you know, next billion markets and so on. So that's that's where uh, Startup Accelerator comes from and how our model is right now. Yeah, what's interesting about um, this entire model, right, is that obviously we're seeing this I would even call it acceleration. It's almost like this, it's a sea of startups, right? Um, if you go like, I would say about five, six years ago, there weren't as many who getting built out as many opportunities. And, and as this entire piece is kind of scaled up, um, everyone's looking for how they can kind of build on top of platforms, how they can kind of leverage everything that the internet, everything that technology kind of allows them to do. So I find this model very interesting, especially if from a startup perspective saying, okay, AI can learn how from the platforms itself, how, how to kind of build this out, leverage any form of expertise, et cetera. And if you add the layer of the last two years of just like how, uh, you know, we've all been remote and everything's been kind of, I don't overuse the word disruption, but I think it's been disrupted beyond a certain uh, level. How has the last two years kind of affected how you functioned with startups? Yeah, I mean, I think if I go back to 2020, that was, that was, you always have these kind of black swan moments or once in a blue moon kind of stuff that happened. Uh, I think the first six to eight months of 2020, uh, when the pandemic began, was like super uncertain and, and we didn't really know where things were headed, right? So uh, even at that point, as Google for startups, we did put out kind of a playbook on how can you kind of tide over this kind of crisis situation. And uh, that again was a playbook that was uh, a coming together of ideas from investors, from startups out there who were dealing with a live situation and uh, our mentor network and what they thought. So it was kind of a wisdom of crowds kind of an effort. And if I were to kind of let just tip a little bit into that, what are the best practices of how the startups, quote unquote, tried to tide over 2020 or the early part? It was more about uh, kind of resetting where you were, reassessing as, you know, as a company or a pro uh, or a startup where you are headed. And that often meant taking hard choices in terms of uh, cutting your turn rate, uh, making sure that you are identifying, say, new sources of revenue as a startup, um, looking at things like, how do you raise money in an environment like this? What's the appetite even to get money? Um, and really, like, survive, right? So, so I mean, you might want to cut off the limb to save the body, so to speak. It's a startup. All of the startups were kind of in that, that mode about how do we sustain the business. Many others were actually looking at it as, look, this is, there's tailwinds for for new sectors, right? So uh, how do we lean into that opportunity? And the interplay of existing businesses and emerging businesses also leads to a lot of these pivots. You're pivoting your business from A to B to lean into the new opportunity. So I think that was product strategy and evolving the strategy of the product. I think those were all very hot conversations that 2020 or early part of 2020 has had. But what's happened post that, like, I mean, it feels like peacetime now, uh, but I know this year again, you know, we had like a pretty hard wave too. Um, and that did affect uh, things like productivity because startups and most businesses uh, you know, in the IT world had figured out a way to work from home. Um, well-being and other things were beginning to perhaps get a little better for employees. But that again, uh, with Wave 2, I, I believe was a little worse. Right? So mm. many, many startups are still recovering from that as a workforce. But by and large, I think a lot of them have 
began to lean into the opportunities, the new economic opportunities that are available. A lot of pivots have been done and dusted. Many startups have shut down uh, because that was the right thing to do. So I think as an ecosystem, I think perhaps we are moving towards a little bit of a, you know, a better state than how things were in 2020. So that whole evolution and how the ecosystem managed, uh, you know, I think I'm quite proud of uh, what I've seen entrepreneurs do. Um, and uh, also the ecosystem itself has risen up to kind of yeah. contribute in many, many different ways. So yeah. so yeah, it's been a really interesting year and a half through this transition. And I think another element of that is especially during this period, like you said, it's been good to see how people have not just adapted, but have also kind of played their part in building out stuff that will help other human beings, right? So uh, while all products are built towards consumers in different ways, you have talked physical, digital, all that stuff, but there's this been growing focus on on building startups that focus on just like other human beings, right? Like how can we play a larger role in that? How can we have larger social impact, et cetera? Um, from looking at this entire, uh, you know, your, your journey with the accelerator, have you seen that that's growing in prominence now compared to, let's say, early days? Has that become a core focus of just how that's becoming a stronger part of the entire startup story? Yeah. I mean, um, I would say if I kind of take all the emotion out of, uh, you know, what's what's been happening around us, there is a lot of data on offer right now uh, lots and lots of because with the whole digital first move um, everything is now done online and there is therefore there is so much more new lines of businesses that have opened up and also and so much more access to uh, understanding new users that have come on board right and that naturally has created a lots lots of new business ideas and new lines of uh, thinking uh, but if you look at the kinds of businesses that are flourishing definitely edtech Right? That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, we're seeing with uh, the whole telemedicine move towards telemedicine uh, that's been happening. Uh, and funnily enough, media and entertainment and gaming, you know, mm-hmm. people spending more time with devices. I don't know, yeah. it's a good thing for digital well-being, but it is, <laughs> it is on the rise, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's getting up there. Um, but the other emerging one that kind of has gained a lot more significance is definitely well-being and mental health. Right? So, and we've seen mm. even in our applicant profile, uh, lots of companies that are trying to work in this particular space. You no, know, it's about better health in general, mm. uh, but particularly mental health, and that becoming more of a normal conversation. And uh, you see apps that we've supported to accelerator like Wiser, uh, which is a mental health AI chatbot app mm. with multiple other solutions. Or last year, uh, startup we supported called the Inner Hour, uh, which essentially uh, helps with the mm. same uh, mental health space. And they were kind of judged as one of the best yeah. apps for good in the ecosystem. The emergence of these kinds of apps, and not only emergence, but the usage and traction for some of these mental health companies, um, it's, it's really strong. And uh, it kind of is reflective of uh, what's happening around us as well. well. That's an interesting point, right? Because um, if, you, if you look at this whole pattern of saying, you know, initially it was a lot more about um, the experience, but I think we're also moving towards how can how can products kind of help enrich how we function as human beings. How, I think being enclosed in our houses has in some ways made us more open to what we what we might actually require uh, to be able to scale. I think that's really where a lot of these products are really being able to scale up as well. Um, on on the other pieces as well, I mean, what have you seen that startups have really asked you for? Um, so obviously when you started off, they would be, okay, this is a set of requirements that we believe that startups will have. But as it's gone on, what have you seen uh, in terms of an evolution of what they're really looking to get out of the program? I think that's in that that'll also kind of give us a bit of an insight to you in terms of thinking, okay, what are how is that part evolving for them? Yeah, so uh, some of the things that we've seen that 
come more into the fore is a little bit some of the stuff I little bit alluded to slightly earlier product strategy which is uh, with the sudden influx of new types of users uh, people who are first time internet users but also directly jumping into like um, you know steep learning curves i mean great mm-hmm. example is like people at my home like my dad or my mom who would never really pick up their phone and order groceries or anything like that like today our power users of most apps everything is delivered to the door they know how to how to order they know about refunds they know they know everything about uh, and that's that all happened within a period of 2 or 3 months right so that's a new type yeah. of a user um so product strategy for from a founder perspective from a strategy for the startup perspective uh pivots like moving into uh the and leveraging these new up and coming uh, user uh, flows i think those areas we've been able to help a lot and those are some of the requests that startups come to us with like how do we kind of build for these new users that are coming new types of users that are coming onto our platform it also means apps look different they look simpler sometimes there's a lot more localization and stuff and stuff like that um another area that we definitely are ai and machine learning right so they look for a lot more personalization look for how to provide kind of no nonsense recommendations that feel like they are really great so ai ml generally tends to be an area where we're able to help people figure out their uh, model accuracy and you know, the stuff that uh, we really able to help with machine learning from a company perspective um uh, i think managing burn rates um i think that becomes really critical for startups that are funded uh, if you look at the funding uh, kind of data points were in last year uh, actually the number of deals that were done in the ecosystem went up right so it was usually i think the previous year 2019 was around uh, 700 odd at deals but last 2020 was when the pandemic year was around 800 plus uh, but when you look at the overall deal uh, quantity the size deal sizes were smaller so which indicates that mm. there are a lot of startups new startups emerged and they got smaller uh, funds um, so how do we make sure that through uncertain times they are able to kind of stretch that uh, that amount and have longer runways so and even mm. this year we've had startups who well funded uh, but are looking to sustain for a longer period of time you know because of the uncertainty that might be around the corner um, so we have a lot of mentors who can help optimize their uh, various aspects of the business or even the tech to help save uh, some of that and increase the reduce the burn rates and productivity for teams i think has been a challenge in in one of the things that is different and unique about something i've seen hiring was always a challenge with tech uh, talent and mm. building the right teams as startups finding the right cto or the setting up the right tech team i think uh, sometimes is a challenge in the startup world but uh, productivity was a challenge in 2022 um, and right now i think most startups have figured that out um, but as a goal setting for the company to move forward towards one vision stuff like that uh, we've been able to help a lot through this program uh, with a model called okrs objectives and key results which is used Uh, used in the company and most startups now in our accelerator use the okr model um and lastly leadership i think uh, 65% of startups fail because of uh, some kind of a leadership issue that's what data says yes. um and so we focused a lot on helping founders understand their leadership style we have some custom surveys we run uh, that we actually share the surveys are shared between co-founders investors employees um and the founder or ceo has their own self assessment to compare a peer mm-hmm. assessment against it's always an eye opener and 
it really it's called the leaders lab that's been something that we've been able to really share some new learnings and perspectives even for the seasoned entrepreneurs who have mm. who are very self aware and know their style uh, it's always throws some curve balls at them that they think they were good at x but the team thinks like no yeah. you're pretty crap at that uh, so that's been really useful <laughs> on the people side it's kind of these 360 degree kinds of things uh, that have been new and emerging that we've been able to really add a lot of value to companies on especially the people part is interesting right because um, and, and and correct me if i'm wrong and 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 i'm almost trying to predict what would have been a trend that you would have seen is that you know initially the focus was a lot more technical in terms of what the mentorship would be around but i'm i'm guessing over the years the people leadership culture i think all those things have should have become a larger part of what uh, you are actually having to work with the startups on um, i'm guessing here yeah. but i'm i'm wondering if that's true very true varun i think i mean we start with what you're good at right Mm, um, yeah. with a I mean, with a technical team google has a strong tech muscles we can add value there but when then when you start talking to startups and say like hey i can help you with your machine learning model or mm. i can really add value to you from a product strategy perspective uh, but then the founders are like i got my ml part kind of figured out like yeah. help me hire a co-founder how do i hire my team right <laughs> so the stuff that keeps entrepreneurs up at night is not isolated to what my strengths are and tell mm. what i can add value Yeah. So it was an initiate and iterate approach as it is with everything at Google and we run things pretty it's pretty nimble in terms of how we learn and evolve the programs and we constantly look for feedback. That's where today we stand at like as a 360 degree program that kind of adds a lot of different with meets entrepreneurs at their points of need. So that's also one of the surprising things that when founders apply to the program they think oh that I'm going to get a lot of tech value out of mm-hmm. this but that's true and we also are able to kind of address some other needs of of the company and of the founders uh, that might still be keeping them up at night so i think that's an evolution that's happened over time and today we are proud to say that we try and touch all of those aspects that really uh, bothers or uh, entrepreneurs care about so if i'm a startup today and i want to apply uh, for the program um, what do you what do you look for uh, in in shortlisting i mean what would or in a broad level what would the criteria be and 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 what do you really and and what are the key ones which you really try to find too so okay, you know they'll be perfect to kind of bring on yeah so over time we've kind of looked at at what stage can we add the right kind of value i think the, if we only ask one question to an applicant to ourselves when we look at an applicant we say can we add value at the stage that the startup is in at um and today it stands like this we look at startups that are having really strong traction right um and traction means different things depending on the business right it could be a b2b business with 10 clients with huge sizes ticket sizes there or it could be like a b2c company with a million downloads which could be which we could consider as really strong um but we we look at uh, you know multiple uh, indicators rather than just focus on one or two cut off kind of indicators so we look at traction we definitely look at the team um how well the founding team is composed do they have a dedicated team on tech on design uh, and how balanced the team looks the reason is we get a lot of volunteer mentors right so varun if you were a mentor at gfsa mm. and you are dedicating say maybe 2 hours a month to talk to a startup we want to make sure that your time is valuable and that mm. whatever advice you're giving is mentor the startup is able to actually act on it and come back so we want the startups to have that ability and the team to actually listen to feedback and kind of implement that into production um or be smart enough to consider that as a group and say no this works or no this doesn't work so we look at the team and their ability to turn on feedback um we look at uh, funding it's more of an indicator um 
if the startup has raised seed, at least raised seed funding is what we ask for. Uh, and the reason is it's mostly a gating criteria right now. Otherwise, you end up getting like, you know, India has got like, I think, 112,000 startups in all. 7,000 yeah. added in 2020, more similar this year. We get a lot of applicants. So we look at yeah. funding as one indicator uh, for us to say that look, they're making some progress. We need the startup to at least have an MVP with, uh, with a, I mean, when I say traction, we're assuming we have an MVP, but uh, with some user, real user feedback. I think that's very, very important. We want the app to be in use and real users providing feedback and the startup is making some iterations. Um, and we are a stage agnostic program. So it's not necessary that you should be at uh, Series A or a particular stage. We say anywhere from C to Series A, we even have Series B company. And that's reflective of the fact that we do customized mentoring for every startup. Right. So it's not a curriculum-based program where everyone passes through one end and out the other. Everyone has a unique and different journey. So yeah, like good traction, great teams. Uh, we look for uh, startups who have uh, at least seed funding. Um, and in terms of the verticals, uh, we look at, we are again, not necessarily sector specific, mm -hmm. but like I mentioned, uh, you know, there are some emerging trends and needs in the economy. Uh, that we'd love to support startups solving for that. Uh, fintech, healthcare, edtech, uh, media and entertainment, gaming too. Uh, I think we want to agree tech, sustainability, these areas startups are solving for uh, and we care a lot of the, about these areas. So uh, we try and look at what sectors the startups are coming from uh, as well. Um, so broadly, these are the high-level criteria. We, we require them to be based in India, of course. Um, and uh, we're really curious of the way they are solving these problems. So if they're using AI, machine learning, or really cutting edge and interesting approaches, we believe we have the mentors uh, that can really talk to that and help them enhance that even further uh, and accelerate the, that uh, product part and tech part of their journey. So those are the list of things we look for. for I have a bunch more questions, but I know we need to go in for a break. So I'm going to quickly do that and be right back with advertising instead. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We're still talking to Paul. Uh, I want to kind of go from what you were talking about before the break and kind of get your perspective on broadly what you're seeing and, and, and as you see uh, with your journey with startups across the accelerator over the last many years, what are you seeing as trends going ahead? What are you seeing things evolve towards, um, especially in this space, in, both in terms of what startups are really going to look for? I know some of them you alluded to in the uh, previously, um, but more in terms of what you feel they're going to look at, what they will need and, and, and the role that you know, companies like Google are going to play in that kind of getting amplified? Sure, yeah. Great question. I, I, I do believe that if you just look at this year as an example, Varun, like, I think we added like 20 plus unicorns mm. in like such a short yeah. period of time. Never before it's happened. Um, even the the trends we're seeing on the deals and the deal sizes, all of that indicates to me that uh, there is a mature, I mean, India is already mature in some sense in terms of the startup ecosystem, but the further maturing consolidation that's happening in the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and entrepreneurs in India are like, uh, and, and I work, uh, and my team is spread across the globe, right? So India stands out when it comes to the maturity of the entrepreneurs or mm. uh, how self-aware they are about solving for these problems. Uh, they even fail fast, unlike mm. many other uh, you know, other areas that I have seen. So I think um, the, today, I think in India, we have more than 500 plus accelerator incubators. Yes. Majority of them are in the academia space, right? Uh, mm. About, I would say 50, 60 of those are in the corporate accelerator, those kind of investor kind of spaces. Um, so I think there is a maturing and therefore the programs, uh, I think, need to evolve and move towards uh, offering a lot more 
uh, you know, firepower when it comes to supporting entrepreneurs. Like, mm. So from corporates like Google, I think oh, this program is a great example of what we're able to do, right? Rally the ecosystem around what startups are solving for and help them grow. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the same time, whatever we have on offer, we kind of put it on the table as well. Uh, so I think this maturing requires a certain move towards, say, uh, companies like Google to kind of lean into it, offer more uh, areas of thought leadership, uh, put out stuff there that can guide and help and help entrepreneurs understand how to solve for these things. Uh, and that means an evolution of programs like Google for Startups. Uh, to help companies in a much stronger way, in a deeper way, I would say. Uh, the other area that I really care about as we go forward is definitely on women entrepreneurship. I think mm. that's a trend that you know I'm personally following, observing. It's kind of a passion project of mine as well. Um, mm. And there, if you look at data, you know it, it's pretty abysmal in terms of funding. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms of women founders, I think data says about five or six percent of women of all deals. Uh, that were done in 2018 through 20 were uh, had a woman uh, co-founder. And if you look at just solo women founders, yeah. it's like less than 2%. So, that's terrible. Um, right? yeah. in, that, in, that, in that two-year period. So yeah. that's something that's interesting, uh, an area where I believe there is an opportunity uh, for us to kind of lean in and offer some of the Google uh, work that we've been doing and extend that more closely. When we've already been doing pretty well in, in terms of our accelerator itself, we always ensure we have like uh, at least 30, 40 percent, uh, you know, women founders, co-founders uh, tend to have, uh, you know, representation in our cohorts organically. Uh, we've, it's it's not that it happened on its own, right? Uh, when I look back in 2015-16, when we first put out our first accelerator, we had less than 8 percent women applicants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we followed that up with a little bit more targeted outreach. And today, I think almost 20-25% of our applicant pool tends to have uh, you know, women founders, co-founders. In there. But generally, in the ecosystem, I think this is a challenge. And uh, women entrepreneurs, some research has also highlighted the areas where you know they look for support and help. Uh, and it, that tends to be, at least in our applicant pool, what we've noticed in terms of talking to people who almost applied. Uh, and on why did not why did you not apply the last time? Right? Mm. Uh, they always believe they are not ready, uh, or yeah. they work for they wait for a, a more perfect timing, um, and they have a slightly higher kind of personal goal to achieve before they believe they can ask for help. And these are mm. just from people we have spoken with. Uh, whereas uh, most entrepreneurs who are male, they just tend to apply, you know, like yeah. uh, and hope that you know they get selected, and they're a little bit yeah. more bullish on that. One. So there are a yeah. few things like that that hopefully we can address, uh, you know, with some of our efforts. You make a very interesting point, right? You just said, one is obviously the environment and how it's obviously trying to, on one end, make it a more inclusive startup ecosystem with having a better ratio of founders. But just that part about how women founders have looked at it versus how male founders have looked at it is an interesting one to pick up. But just the mindset difference there. And then to really be able to come onto your side and say, okay, one second, how do I make sure that I balance it out knowing that the mindsets are, are different in that uh, on, on a more generalized basis? So so are there any specific steps you guys are trying to take to kind of move towards equaling that out or um, especially in, in the gender uh, balance? Yeah, like, um, I mean, the thing that obviously you can't do is you have a certain bar for accelerating a company. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of how to add value, they, they need to be at a certain stage to be able to benefit from a program like this. But if you go back in the funnel uh, and look at the applicant pool, like if you have just 8% folks applying, mm. uh, there's a problem right there. 
right? And we try and address it at that stage where we do a lot more targeted evangelism or go to uh, efforts that exist in the ecosystem and there's a lot of efforts like that and kind of uh, invite folks to consider programs like this uh, for uh, helping the startups to move forward, right? So I think just increasing the base of the applicant pool is one way to do it. Another way that uh, that we did it uh, was apart from our accelerator program, we started something called boot camps. Um, mm. You know, like uh, these were three or four day short format speed dating style accelerator in a week in a box kind of efforts that we did only for women founders uh, across uh, across the ecosystem. So these were called launchpad boot camps. Uh, I think that helped a lot for people to one know at what stage I need to be to benefit from an accelerator uh, and what what is an accelerator, uh, how can it help me. And I think that awareness actually helps uh, founders. And we can also talk to founders that are a little bit earlier in the pipeline. Yeah. Some folks say like, look, I just have an idea on early early traction. I'm not eligible to apply. But they might be in six months. Right? I think talking to them a little earlier helped a lot. So I yeah. think those are some of the efforts we did to, uh, to proactively kind of reach out uh, and get more and more folks to apply to the program so they can be considered. And eventually it leads to more folks being represented in a full, full-blown accelerator. I wanted to take a bit of a, a segue here and ask you, how did you, how did your career trajectory lead you to um, being a part of the accelerator? I, I think I, I've always found it interesting that there are two sides of this, right? Is one is that, um, one is to actually, one is the founder side, but the other side is if, if you are giving them that to sound corny enough to helping them accelerate in that sense, how has your journey kind of led you to this? Um, what did you set out wanting to do and how did you end up here? Or, or, or rather, did you, did you want to end up here is the question. <laughs> a great question. So, I mean, as a personal career journey, right? So, um, I mean, I just completed 16 years at Google mm. uh, just just last week, and uh, I started I started at this company working mostly on uh, you know on the Google search uh, initiative uh, with uh, trust and safety, which is about ensuring quality on the search engine. It was a little bit of a different type of a role. Mm. Uh, a few years down the line, uh, I had the opportunity to switch uh, and internally move to uh, emerging markets kind of an effort. From there, I moved to, uh, you know, the developer initiatives that I just uh, talked, spoke to you about earlier. Yeah. Mostly focused directly working the developer community, student developers, uh, professional developers, and so on. And then now startups, right? So for me, it's been about trying things that keep me excited. Mm. And the way I see myself is through all of these different roles, uh, the closest that I've been to feel impact. Mm. Closest that I've been in my career to feel something I did had a meaningful impact on someone's life directly. Of course, being part of Google, you know, you, you do feel like you're making a difference, but nothing like selecting a company in the accelerator that's made a massive difference to people's lives, right? Uh, and like, I can think of so many companies with more than 90 graduates now. Uh, yeah. ShareChat is a great example. Nestaway or DriveZ, companies you might have heard of. Baby yeah. Chakra have all made. So that kind of feeling of impact uh, was is very strong now. Right? So I see myself uh, as an enabler more than anything else. Mm. I might not make a great entrepreneur for sure, right? Uh, but I'm I'm I've found uh, a space here that allows me to uh, enable entrepreneurs through through the platform that Google offers here uh, through the partner and accelerator program here. That's how my quick like two minute version of <laughs> my journey has been. And uh, yeah, like working with startups. High energy, always energizing experience, and I've, yeah. I've loved it so far. Yeah. What have you kind of learned uh, individually in terms of what it 
like some of them you just, you just brought out in your in your last answer right but what if you learned is really required to be part of an accelerator like how can you give the most value um especially when you're working with startups especially when you work in founders uh what have you learned over time saying okay you know this is what not just you but your team really needs to imbibe and you know what are the core things that make someone really good at as being a part of an accelerator i mean it's a great question and it's an evolution and a learning for me too right so i think the number one thing to realize is founders are smart people founders can smell uh, when you have a program that's there just for the sake of it and founders mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. smell value when value is there to be had yeah. uh, i think the first thing is to be honest about what you can offer as a program and i think create an environment where founders really open up and ask you for real help and we create an environment where you know from day one even when we are trying to select startups we say no pitching you're not mm. we're not you're not here to sell me your company but we are here to work together on how to make your journey better so i think creating that kind of psychological safety for founders to feel like look i'm getting real value here in this relationship or this program and that uh, google really cares about uh, the journey that i'm having as a startup right so uh, i think that's number one right understanding and and that kind of talks to some of the values of the company which is focus on the user and understanding doing the right thing for the user and in this particular case you can say it's a it's a startup founder the second thing is uh, which we alluded to earlier is like learning off of feedback right it's always mm-hmm. an evolution right if i look back at how this program was 3 years ago it was very different than what it is now and i think alumni and others contribute their thoughts to how we could improve things and we always take the best bits and keep adding it back into the ecosystem the third thing is uh, recognizing that look the ecosystem is constantly evolving it's not the same and uh, so adding things to the program uh, that can actually add value making changes and pivots ourselves to lean into new opportunities or new areas where the ecosystem needs us i think this is super important and uh, i mean i want to take a moment to also give a shout out that look this is all based on so many volunteer mentors in the ecosystem mm. and i think it's just really the collective wisdom of crowd that we're able to kind of fine tune and offer to startups in a strong way 30 plus google teams of course but more than 100 mentors from the ecosystem also engage so all of their collective inputs helps us to keep it fresh and keep it on point for when startups uh, and uh, you know the ecosystem is evolving as well and moment to say that like formats curriculum and how the those elements of the program design Uh, i think they become extremely important without dwelling too, too much on details i think it's also important for incubators or accelerators to really have great teams um and and varun i want to just take a quick segue to say that we google for startups actually has a partner program mm-hmm. um where with accelerator we get into an in-depth mentoring for about mm-hmm. 40 to 60 companies a year right but yeah. india has got so many thousands of startups coming so we actually work with partners in the ecosystem and we have very few of them whom we work closely with mm. to uh, kind of put out some of the content the mentor and just provide access to some of this goodness uh, yeah. to startups out there and uh, we have social alpha 91 springboard base foundation foundation mm. uh, and t hub so these these are all different partners we currently work with it's growing list but it's our attempt to offer some of this goodness at scale to the ecosystem and the reason i talk about that Uh, in the context of this question is it takes great teams to understand mm-hmm. the needs of the ecosystem and to run programs that stay fresh and uh, are seen as valuable by entrepreneurs so i think 
we work or try to find partners who kind of mirror some of those values and uh, uh, slowly but surely we're trying to push out more of this goodness more than just 40 or 80 companies a year that point about partners is so important right as you can try to scale out a program it's not just about what you're doing but not not just what let's even even external mentors come in and do but really about how can you build a network so the the entire ecosystem gets more value out of it that's that's a very uh, important uh, point there you know towards the end of every episode i ask my guests um, a set of questions. Those questions have been constant. Um, they have nothing to do with what we've spoken about so far. Um, they're sure. mostly random. Sure. Um, uh, so the, the first one is that um, what do you spend a lot of time doing that uh, most people would be surprised to know that apart from your day job, you, you actually spend a lot of time doing this as well. I, I'm just going to put this in there that I do know that you played in a in a band when you were in engineering college, as we realized before we hit record <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I don't know if that's something which you which you do in your in your free time, but I, I, I love to know what you spend a lot of time doing beyond work. Sure. Yeah. Well, right now I'm father to a pandemic baby. <laughs> yeah. So she she keeps me up. Uh, yeah, my daughter is six months old. Uh, okay. But yeah, music has been a big part of uh, you know my life, and uh, I think probably peaked right when I was in college uh, with my interest to kind of uh, join a band and we put something together. And uh, fun fact was I played my first gig, so to speak, at Varun's college. Passive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was a forgettable experience. So quick story there, right? The band that played before us played like some kind of a heavy uh, hard rock and heavy metal song mm. and and the entire crowd went crazy people were doing yeah. that and then it was our turn to come up and we were playing wonderful tonight by eric clapton that is a playlist <laughs> transition that everybody would would be like what just happened <laughs> Well, you know, the, the, just the, the lots fell uh, in that, that way, the order-wise. But then, uh, yeah, we managed to finish uh, and we just kind of walked off the stage and we almost got booed off, to be honest. But oh, yeah, no. but uh, it, we, I mean, uh, the band and all of that never took off, but uh, music has been a constant part of, uh, you know, just uh, keeping me in, my, in the right headspace. Um, anything that you've uh, read, watched or listened to recently that you'd recommend? Um I've been reading a lot of reports, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> on startups and stuff. Uh, but besides that, like, uh, I mean, an important part of my personal life is my faith. And, mm. uh, you know, I have a small church community and we kind nice. of uh, meet up regularly and uh, do a lot of activities in the, in the area where I live. So that keeps me going um, and uh, really connected uh, and just kind of keeps me balanced. So uh, I'm not a voracious reader, so to mm. speak, but yeah, I, I do stay in touch with a lot of the technical blogs and other stuff that's happening because uh, I'm in this space. But yeah, um, that's what I've been doing. Um, what can you put together in an instant? I can change a diaper in, like, <laughs> in a expected, minute. Expected from a father of six years, six months. I have a four-year-old, so I totally relate. Uh, fathers of daughters unite is what I like to call it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and my last question, which is generally uh, a lift off of the pot, name of the podcast itself is um, I'm trying to figure out what, um, and this is generally where I, it's more pressure on me because I'm trying to figure out uh, how to word this one is um, why do you think this, the, the growth of the startup space, the way it has, uh, will not die? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the recent changes, uh, but also the emergence of, I would say, the gig economy mm. and so many folks who are were not say quote unquote employable about two years ago, uh, have new lines of jobs and opportunities available. 
it's really interesting to see how that whole thing is going to evolve. I think there's a fundamental shift in the way consumption is happening. And that opens up opportunities for so many people in, in an ecosystem like India. So that I'm hopeful of. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, and thanks for coming on and, and, and A, talking about what you guys are doing, but also kind of giving us a broad view on, on the entire space itself. Um, thanks for coming on Advertising Day. Thanks, for Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM Podcast website or app or where you get your podcast from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there.